If you've ever wondered if chiropractic care is for you and how it works and what are the benefits, the drawbacks, that's what today's episode is all about with Dr. Tunis Hunt. Ultimately, you go to a chiropractor because you want them to evaluate your vertebral column, identify subluxations, remove those subluxations with an adjustment so that you remove dis-ease from the nervous system and enhance your health. So if you know that's why you're going, the question back to the patient is how often do you want that process done in your life? We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I am super excited to be with you today. Today, we bring on Dr. Tunis Hunt, who is a chiropractor over at Hunt for Wellness. Dr. Tunis, you'll hear the backstory about how we connected. He reached out to me after he heard me on Dr. Anthony Shafee's podcast. And I went on Dr. Tunis's podcast. We had a great discussion. So I brought him on my show today, and we took a deep dive into chiropractic care. What are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? What are some of the red flags to pay attention to? Because not every chiropractor or chiropractic clinic is the same. But we'll discuss the chiropractic philosophy, which is a philosophy I absolutely love and completely agree with, which is, number one, identify the interference. Number two, remove the interference. And number three, allow your amazing body to heal. So when we talk about interference, that's stress, that's inflammation, that's a blockage from your innate intelligence. What's blocking the innate intelligence? So we'll take a deep dive into the three primary areas of stress mental, emotional, physical, and chemical. Chiropractic care is more so on the physical subluxation. You'll hear about that. The way to achieve that is with chiropractic care, chiropractic adjustments, some other modalities, which we'll talk about that are common at chiropractic clinics. And then, of course, we talk about nutrition and diet. And it's interesting because Dr. Tunis Hunt was all for vegetables and plants and eat your veggies and eat your meat in moderation. And now he's a carnivore guy. (laughs) He's going to share his story about how he discovered carnivore and what it's done for him. And we love carnivore. It's a great tool. We'll discuss that. We'll discuss different uh, ailments that people deal with, back pain, neck pain, uh, some other issues. And what are the frequency? How often should you go to the chiropractor? What are some questions you should ask when you're looking for a chiropractor? What are some things to pay attention to? So we'll take a deep dive. So if you're somebody who's currently going to a chiropractor, you understand this conversation because you'll be able to kind of pinpoint what we are discussing here 
is probably similar to what your chiropractor has taught you. Now, if you have never done chiropractic care, maybe you're afraid of it like my fiance, we're going to lay it all out for you, make it easy for you, and you're going to love the conversation. Dr. Tunis Hunt's got a big heart. He's serving a lot of people. We'll also discuss some of the cool things he's doing with F3 Nation. So stand by for that. Before I bring on Dr. Tunis Hunt, I want to get to today's podcast, Apple Podcast Rating and Review of the Day. This is a five-star review from Jess and Jess titled, Go To Podcast. I love Ben's podcast. He has the best speakers, most valuable information, and I love how he challenges his guests by asking questions. It really helps me understand more of the things I don't know. This pod has definitely transformed my family's health. Jess, that is so awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad this is your go-to podcast. Uh, My goal is to ask the right questions and let the speakers speak and, and share their amazing wisdom and experience. And I'm glad you see that. I'm so grateful the podcast has transformed your family's health. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for taking the time to leave that rating and review. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review as of yet, please do so. It really helps the show grow. Maybe I'll read yours on the next interview. Before I bring on Dr. Tunis Hunt, I want to let you know about a topic that is very important, near and dear to my heart, and that is a topic, the topic of insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Chances are you listening to this right now either have insulin resistance or diabetes, or you know somebody who does. Unfortunately, the majority of Americans are either pre-diabetic or diabetic. And I saw this play out with my dad back in 2014. He lost his life due to the complications of diabetes, and it raised a lot of questions for me. And, you know, fast forward to now, uh, I'm so grateful because I've worked with hundreds of diabetics and insulin-resistant PCOS individuals, and I've helped them reverse their insulin resistance, diabetes, PCOS, and even a lot of them have been taking meds and insulin for 10 plus years. And we've been able to work with their doctor to reverse their condition and get off those medications. So it's been amazing to see that. Uh, I want this for you if you have insulin resistance or diabetes. And I decided to put together a live training all about four secrets to diabetes. We'll discuss the two primary causes of diabetes and then the ways that, I, that I've used with these individuals to reverse the diabetes. I'll, I'll share those four secrets with you. So please, if you're listening to this and you have insulin resistance, diabetes, or PCOS, or high blood pressure, or know somebody who does, I want you or them to join this free training. The website is www.diabeteswebclass.com. It's going to be an hour long. It's free. We are doing it September 6th, the day after my birthday, actually. September 6th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, and we'll have a 24-hour replay. So please go get reserved for it. Go to the link in the podcast notes down below, diabeteswebclass.com. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Tunis Hunt. Dr. Tunis Hunt is an expert in chiropractic care, and he is the lead doctor of the Hunt for Wellness. His chiropractic wellness center helps people uncover and resolve their underlying health problems to achieve optimal health. He has over 18 years of experience 
He is passionate. He is knowledgeable. Here's Dr. Tunis Hunt. Dr. Tunis Hunt, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for being here today with me. Ben, pleasure is all mine, man. I appreciate the opportunity to A, connect with you, and then B, just connect with the audience. Me too. Uh, You've got 18 years in the game, uh, leading up to 20 years almost. So you have a lot of experience. We're going to talk about some of those golden nuggets. We first connected through Dr. Anthony Shafee's podcast, I think it was, right? You messaged me after listening to that when I was a guest on there or vice versa. He was a guest on mine. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It was a conversation you two had. I'm assuming it was his podcast. I think it was, yeah. uh, You had name dropped a a doctor that I was familiar with and it resonated with me. And so I reached out to you just to kind of touch base. And uh, you were gracious enough to come on my podcast, which uh, serves a group of men across the country, actually internationally, an organization called F3. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And I was uh, your, the episode we had on your show was awesome. I enjoyed it. We'll link it down below. And the doctor you, you're referencing is uh, the great Dr. Daniel Pampa, who everybody pretty much knows from my audience. We love Dr. Pampa. He's uh, a legend in the space. And I know you have quite an interesting backstory with him. But let's talk about your backstory. 18 years or so as a chiropractor, there are different ways to get into the health and wellness space. There are, you could become a health coach. You could just be self-taught and read books. You could become a medical doctor or a naturopath. Why did you decide to go down the chiropractic route? And what are some of the biggest golden nuggets and takeaways 18 years working with so many patients that you've seen out there working in the chiropractic field? Yeah, so I don't have a sexy story as far as why I became a chiropractor. You know, a lot of times people are inspired by maybe a personal journey story, something that they were impacted by. Uh, My wife, for instance, is a chiropractor, and she's a chiropractor because of a childhood situation where she was developing pain. A chiropractor ended up helping her, so it inspired her to also help other people. I was the classic. My dad was a chiropractor, so that's just kind of what I knew. I grew up in a chiropractic household. I, I got to see it firsthand as far as the lifestyle, as far as what he was doing to impact other people's lives. I didn't really grasp the power of chiropractic uh, as a child. Uh, you know, it was my dad. He went to work. He did his thing. Of course, he would come home and we uh, have two siblings. We would get adjusted. Uh, we would get chiropractic care, but I didn't really understand the power of it and why it was a benefit to me until really I got into chiropractic school. So I went to chiropractic school because my dad did it. I thought he had a nice lifestyle. I liked what he was doing as a career. And I went into with that mindset. But once I got into chiropractic school and really learned the philosophy, the backstory of what it was, uh, how it can be impactful for people's lives, that's really when I fell in love with the potential of it. And uh, I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with chiropractic at this stage in the game. You know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I might have had to define a little bit more of what it is and why we're different. But uh, long story short, as a chiropractor, our job is to evaluate the vertebral column of a spine, put something called an adjustment on areas of what we call a subluxation. And the reason we do that is when the body subluxates or the vertebral spine subluxate, it creates a a phenomenon called dis-ease, which is essentially just a fancy way of saying our nervous system, our internal master system doesn't work as optimally as we want it to. And so chiropractors 
can serve the public by identifying those subluxations, removing those subluxations with an adjustment, and then really just enhancing the body's ability to function. And so symptomology standpoint, we get rid of headaches and back pain, low, you know, neck pain. Uh, those are classic reasons why people might walk into a chiropractic office. But a lot of times people stay because now their digestion works better. Maybe they breathe easier. Maybe they're just biomechanically working better. And that's really where we get a lot of our lifetime patients. And so, you know, early on in practice, when I got into it, it was just amazing to watch how simply doing a couple adjustments can radically, you know, impact somebody's life. And, uh, you know, I've been loving it ever since as far as the chiropractic perspective of things uh, ever since, about 18 years now. Yeah, which is a, a lot of experience. I love the chiropractic philosophy. It resonates with me so much because my premise, and I know you, you share a similar premise, is that the body has this innate intelligence that is self-healing. And the philosophy of chiropractic is one that I've developed, which is identify the interference, remove the interference, and allow the body the innate intelligence to heal itself. So when we think about interference, there are a lot of interferences out there, there are a lot of different stressors that we encounter there is chemical stress. So from an environmental toxin standpoint, there's chemical stress. There is mental stress, you know, dealing with our day-to-day, -day, some of the craziness in the world. But then we have the physical stress, and that's what you're referring to, this physical subluxation, the nervous system, which is connected to the spinal cord and the brain and how this is all integrated together. When there's a physical blockage, their nervous system will be out of balance, whether it's probably too much sympathetic and then symptoms will manifest. And those symptoms could be really different depending on the person. I want you to share about why that is, but it could it manifest as in a headache, migraines, as you mentioned, lower back pain, uh, somebody who has maybe high blood pressure. So why do you think that is? Why, why do you think the symptoms manifest differently in other and in different individuals, even though at the root, the cause is pretty much the same? Yeah. So you mentioned chemical and, and, and emotional is another one. So D.D. Palmer, when he kind of started chiropractic, the premise was subluxations can be caused by either one of three things, a physical stress, an emotional stress, or a chemical stress. They can all create this subluxation. Now, 100 years ago, majority of that subluxation was most likely probably coming from the physical stress because at that time, from a dietary standpoint, most Americans ate a pretty what we would consider a clean diet, whole food diet. There wasn't as many environmental toxins, some of the other things in our environment, certainly from a high pace stress standpoint, the stress was probably a lot lower. So that physical component of the chiropractic adjustment was just really, really powerful. Today, we contend with all three, of course, you know, unfortunately, we have jobs that are just sedentary for most people. So they're sitting in these postural positions that just aren't maximizing their ability for their body to function. You add processed food and other, you know, what we like to refer to junk food or garbage food into our system. And then just the chronic stress and strain of 24 hour news cycle, social media, gadgets, you add all those things together and it's affecting the human body. So to answer your question, the reason it affects different people differently is because a lot of us have different attacks from different areas that are affecting that. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with the bucket, you know, analogy where we have this bucket of what we can handle and then our body does a good job until that bucket is full and it starts to spill over. It's the classic, I used to be able to get away with this for so long and then all of a sudden... I didn't really change anything and all my health went downhill. Well, it wasn't because you changed anything specifically. It's just your body can't, 
you know, ran out of its capability of compensation. And so it spills over. So depending on an individual when they come in, you know, we have to kind of really talk about all three of those things. Of course, as a chiropractic physician, I'm concentrating mainly on the vertebral subluxation of the spine. But if part of that's because of poor posture or because of the poor diet or even high stress, if I'm not addressing that in some way, shape or form, you know, the patient's probably not going to get the same results as if I did look at all three of those. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Uh, the stress bucket, right? When that overflows, uh, that's where the symptoms manifest. So part of that is the physical part, especially in this day and age, everybody is forward head tilt on their phone all day. It's disrupting that vagus nerve, it's disrupting the nervous system. And then when you go get adjusted, it really helps with that. And I know, like, for example, my fiance, she's not a chiropractor like your wife, she's actually afraid of getting adjusted. And we've, you know, I work with Dr. Pompa and a whole bunch of chiropractors. So we mastermind and they, she feels safe with them, but like just going to a general chiropractor. And, and I think a lot of people share this fear that they, they have some sort of like fear with the adjustments. They see the videos on TikTok when the, you know, people getting adjusted. So how would you inspire those who are afraid? Maybe my fiance is included to go get adjusted. And how, how can you find the right chiropractor where you feel safe to go and get that adjustment? Yeah. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about chiropractic as a philosophy and as a profession, there is a lot of variation uh, that can also be a downside because then, you know, when someone's shopping around, they have so many options or if they have a bad experience with one, you know, option, they may never try another option, even though there might be a better option for them. But having said that, there are different styles and techniques. Some are less what we would call physical in nature, less forceful in nature. You know, there's even techniques that are as simple or, or as uh, non-invasive as energetic and the way the energy flows through the body. So there are options for you. Uh, there are instrumentation adjustments uh, out there that uh, an individual may gravitate towards because that instrument would not maybe create the same cavitation or the popping and clicking as, you know, uh, the public likes to refer to it as a manual adjustment or a diversified style adjustment. Having said that, what we also have to do a good job as a profession is to help people understand what we're really doing and what we're not doing. I think there's a perception that we're out there cracking your bones, that we're trying to like push and, and pull and, and make all this force throughout your body. And that's really not the case. We're, we're mobilizing the joint and, and the noise that you hear is just that cavitation in the joint getting released as a result of mobility. So sometimes that helps people grasp what we're doing and not doing. Uh, we're not really putting you outside of a physiological range of motion that you're normally going to do anyway. We just might have a line of drive that creates a little more mobility. That's going to create that sound, that cavitation. And and unfortunately, yes, uh, I think sometimes the adjustments are sensationalized on social media to make people think that it's this violent act. And not to say that a chiropractor can't be more forceful than another chiropractor, but at the same time, uh, usually what you're seeing on TikTok is not what you're going to get at a majority of chiropractic offices across the country. And I always encourage people that maybe, because we get this question a lot, right? One spouse comes in, they're loving care. My wife or husband wants to come in. 
how do I get them in the door? And really, honestly, it's bring them in. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what it is they're trying to achieve. And we take it slow. It's one, you know, small step, just like your fiance is feeling more comfortable with some of the doctors she personally knows. I think that's a good spot, a starting spot. If you're interested, go have a consult. Most chiropractors will do that free of charge, have a conversation with you, see if it makes sense, see if you, how you resonate, and then just kind of take it slow from there. That's good advice. What, what would be some red flags? Let's say somebody's listening and they're doing some research. There's several different chiropractic clinics out there. What would be some good questions to ask to see if this is a good chiropractor for them? And what are some red flags to pay attention to? Yeah, now you're putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not here to out anybody as far as like the philosophy of practice. Um, you know, the reality is this, uh, we're all individuals as far as what we're looking for and who we resonate with. And for example, I practiced with my wife and before my father retired, practiced with my father. So we had three different chiropractors underneath the same roof. All of us went to the same school. My wife simultaneously and I went to the exact same school, same teachers. Which school? Uh, Logan College of Chiropractic at the time. I think they refer to it as Logan University. It's in uh, Chesterfield, Missouri. So it's a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. And um, I say all that because even though we were all very similar, we all still had our uniqueness about us. We all had chiropractic is an art. And how we adjust and what we do can be slightly different from each other. So we have patients in our practice, for instance, that for whatever reason gravitate towards my style of adjusting differently than my wife's and vice versa. And even, even though both of us can give them a great chiropractic adjustment, just maybe our technique or sleight of hand or position could be a little bit different for each other. So I really find that if you're looking for one, to maybe interview a few. I mean, today's uh, social media, you know, and uh, social recommendations really is, is goes a long way. Uh, see how many reviews a chiropractor has on their website. See how well those reviews are. You can pretty much read through those reviews and get an idea of what that chiropractic office is like, how the chiropractic team handles it. So that would be a good starting point. We find really is convenience. I mean, I hate to say it, but there's so many options when it comes to chiropractic care that unless you work or live near that chiropractic office, chances are it might become an obstacle for you to get quality, consistent care. So keep that in mind. Yes, maybe your buddy goes to a chiropractor across town because they live across town and they highly recommend that chiropractor. But if it's going to require you to drive an hour each way, multiple times a week or even a month, chances of you following through with any type of treatment options are pretty slim. So, you know, look at that. And then another red flag, obviously, is if, you know, a, a chiropractor is, they don't seem sincere and they don't seem to want to have a conversation with you about what it is that you are concerned about. You know, that God syndrome, that unfortunately all doctors can have sometimes is, I'm the doctor, you're the patient, I know better you know, my way or get out of my office, you know, I think a chiropractor or any doctor willing to have a conversation, really listen to what it is your concerns are and walk you through the process of understanding what it is you're looking for, I think would be another, you know, good thing to look for. Those are three good tips. So look at the, you know, Google reviews, recommendations that that's available now. Number two, I think the second tip was the most important, which is to find 
a chiropractor that is close to you that is realistic to see that person often. Even myself, I love getting adjusted. I feel great when I get adjusted. And here in Miami, you know, the chiropractors that I work with, they're not in Miami. They're in different places. So when we're getting together and at dinner, I'm sure you experience this. It's like when you're at a dinner party with chiropractors, you have people getting adjusted at the dinner table. But here in Miami, like I, I've been searching and there's a chiropractor that I met at a mastermind who I happen to have a clinic in South Beach. And South Beach is about, well, depending on traffic, it could be 20 minutes or it could be 40 minutes. So I decided to start going to this chiropractor. They, they did a good job with me. I felt really good with them. But it would be about an hour and a half to two hours out of my day. And I'm like you, I'm an entrepreneur. And that's a lot of time to commit to. So I ended up, I stopped going because of that time commitment. And I found somebody who's right around the, the corner here. And it's so convenient. And the fact that they're right next to me, I get to see them more often. I don't have to worry about my schedule. So I think that is important. Even if you know somebody who's 45 minutes away, how realistic is it? How practical is it to see that person long-term when it's taking so much time out of your day? For me, it wasn't practical. So I found somebody close by. And then the third tip was to make sure they're willing to have that conversation with you to really see what you're dealing with, that you don't want to be treated like a number, like you know, get adjusted and get out of here. So I think that is important. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think that that pretty much sums it up as far as just somebody looking for a chiropractor. And then obviously, once you go and, and have that conversation, you know, just determine how you feel with that person and how confident you are. And then, of course, you know, you have to enjoy the adjustment uh, <laughs> to some degree, you know, like I said, there's different styles. And, and I will say this, um, because I've heard this before, you know, someone tries chiropractic out for whatever reason doesn't resonate with that doctor or doesn't feel like that style of adjustment was doing anything. And then they kind of throw up their hands and never go back. And, um, I, and I'm just here to say that that might not be a fair shake at chiropractic. Uh, for instance, I've been to plenty of poor restaurants and, and have a bad dining experience or poorly cooked food, it doesn't mean I don't ever go out to eat anymore. I, I may not go to that same restaurant, but I may find a different restaurant that I've, I resonate towards. So just, you know, I want to remind people that just because you tried maybe chiropractic once, it wasn't your cup of tea for whatever reason, I would encourage you to maybe try some other options because chances are there's one or many that really would resonate with you if you just gave it another shot. Yeah, that's fair. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted? If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part? This may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed, 
their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but wild pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best-tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. When I go on TikTok, sometimes I get sucked into TikTok and there are some really good chiropractors I see on there that put mics on their patients and you, they start adjusting them and they get really a lot of views. Some are a little aggressive and they're, they're going for that sound effect because it makes it really go viral. And uh, so TikTok sensationalizes the chiropractic industry to, to an extent and then I see some other videos of people saying chiropractors on my uh, for you page on TikTok, and they have like a piece of drywall and they're like, okay, just relax, breathe. And they're like breaking drywall aggressively. So they're making fun of it. Right. But I get their point. It's sensationalized. And there is a philosophy and a lot of healing that can occur when you find the right chiropractor for myself. It's been a game changer for me. So uh, I hope this inspires people to do some research, find the right chiropractor. What are some other modalities that you do in your clinic besides the adjustments? Uh, any other modalities that you use? Yeah, we do offer a handful of things. I do want to preface this by saying I think the biggest thing that we do and the best thing that we do for people's health is the adjustment. So I want to make sure that because I, I know sometimes as chiropractors, we're marketed to about these modalities and 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 sometimes practices become all about the modality and less about the power of what the adjustment is. So any chiropractor that's adjusting first and foremost is doing the most important thing. Now, on top of that, yes, there's options that we can do to kind of enhance healing or or work on the body differently. So one of the things we do have is some spinal decompression. Uh, unfortunately, due to pressurized disc in the lumbar or even thoracic or cervical spine, that can start to impinge on nerve roots, which can cause radiculopathy and neuropathies, some of those things, sciatica, people you know are familiar with that term. And so adjustments are powerful, but sometimes adding a decompressive force to the spine can speed up that healing process, can rehydrate that disc, really kind of avoid surgery. So we offer that in our practice as well. And then we have other little modalities that are pretty well known throughout chiropractic, uh, what we call intersegmental traction, which is really just a spinal 
massage, if you will. Um, it, it's taking the segments of the spine and, and moving them up and down. If you've ever laid on a table and it has a sensation of a roller moving up and down your back, that's essentially what I'm describing here. Uh, we have electrical stimulation for muscle therapy, spasms, that kind of stuff, ultrasound therapy, which is the therapeutic ultrasound, not the imaging or diagnostic Im- ultrasound. So that gets ultrasonic waves into the soft tissue that you know promotes healing and stuff like that. So we run a gamut of things depending on what a patient may have. You know, if you're coming in and you're really acute pain, maybe a fresh injury, a car accident, falling down the stairs, we may be a little less aggressive with an adjustment and more with the therapeutics uh, that are going to bring down that inflammatory response and help the body heal. And then as your body lessens the pain and discomfort, we'll ramp up more of the adjusting. So kind of can a pendulum can swing back and forth depending on what somebody gets as far as that goes. But most of our patients that are are there for lifestyle and wellness. They're kind of coming in on a regular basis just to kind of get their adjustments. Most of them are just getting adjusted. I mean, that's what we're there for. That's what we're giving them. That's what they want. And that's what they're coming back to get more of. For those who are there for more of a like lifestyle maintenance, how often are they coming in for the adjustments? So what's a general recommendation for how, the frequency of the adjustments? Yeah, so this is a a loaded question across the chiropractic profession, right? As far as uh, kind of recommendations, depending on what chiropractor you go to, you may have been sold or influenced to do a gamut of different uh, adjustments. So this is what I try to help people understand. If we understand what a chiropractic adjustment does, which is, I let's just back that up. Why do you go to a chiropractor? And ultimately you go to a chiropractor because you want them to evaluate your vertebral column identify subluxations, remove those subluxations with an adjustment so that you remove dis-ease from the nervous system and enhance your health. So if you know that's why you're going, the question back to the patient is how often do you want that process done in your life? How often would you see a benefit if those subluxations were removed from your body and your body worked at an optimal level? So people you know, as much as possible, maybe is, is an answer or, you know, as much as possible would be great, but time commitment, finances, whatever can only allow me to do so forth. You know, I would say at the very minimum from a wellness perspective, a lot of our patients do about once every month. They find that that's a pretty good rotation. If someone's a little bit more tuned in to wellness and they want to do a little more frequently, we have quite a few patients come in twice a month. And then we have those that uh, just decided that getting adjusted multiple times a week is just what they love and, and they'll do that as well. So kind of across the gamut, usually when we first work with an individual, I'm pretty upfront with them. Listen, it's taken you 45 years to have a spinal alignment like this. Does it make sense to take the next 12 weeks and really be aggressive on working towards restoring some of that biomechanics alignment and so forth. And it usually makes sense to people. And just like if you were prescribing exercise to somebody who was trying to lose a hundred pounds, you would probably say in the next 12 weeks, the more you exercise, the faster you're probably going to see results. And the same is true with chiropractic adjustments. Hey, the more you're willing to get adjusted in the next 12 weeks, the chances are you're probably going to see a larger change in those biomechanics, reduction of subluxations and so forth. And so if a patient's like, great, I can commit to once a week, 
that's good. If they can only come in once every other week, fine. You know, if they want to come in daily, fine. So I kind of give it back to them as far as what they're looking for. But uh, certainly it does take some work to initially get somebody going. But once someone is in the lifestyle, it's pretty easy to keep them going with a little bit less frequency. It makes sense. What are your thoughts on animals like dogs and cats getting adjusted? So <laughs> they have a vertebral spine and a nervous system as well. So I mean, I, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, it makes sense to me. I don't personally adjust animals. There are chiropractors that do some additional training for those, you know, types of animals. Oh, there's a vet not too far from my office that offers chiropractic care to animals. So I definitely feel like it makes sense. I just don't do it. And I know, you know, certain animals are, are preferenced over others when it comes to the industry. I, I know uh, horse adjusting, for instance, is a big business. Uh, you talk about these million dollar racehorses and these animals that are really kind of uh, have to perform at the highest level. So states like Kentucky and Michigan and some of those states, you see a more prevalence of chiropractors adjusting animals, primarily these, you know, larger animals like horses. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, that that makes sense, though. Okay, yeah, because I've seen some videos online of uh, dogs getting adjusted and cats. I haven't seen the horses, but it does make sense from a philosophy standpoint. So who should not get adjusted? Pregnant women or anybody that should be cautious here? So there's certainly red flags to getting an adjustment. And, and really, until you go to a chiropractor and have them evaluate you, it's hard to tell you if you should or you shouldn't. You know, our philosophy... You know, the blanketed philosophy is you, if you have a spine, you should get adjusted, right? You know, so from we see babies, you know, so both my kids, when they were born, I adjusted them within minutes of their birth. We see babies on the way home from the, the hospital, you know, mothers that were working with us during their pregnancy go in through labor on the way home from the hospital will a themselves get checked or even the baby getting checked. And then all the way up to 99 years old, I mean, or, or older, I have a, I have a 92 year old grandmother that still comes in once a week to get adjusted. So she values that as far as her wellness uh, protocol. But so if there's really no age or gender or situation in life from a pregnancy or not pregnancy standpoint that would dictate whether you should or shouldn't get adjusted. But certainly there's other serious factors that someone may be having, medically speaking, that for whatever reason, they mistake it as simple musculoskeletal pain. So they'll come into a chiropractor thinking they're dealing with back pain or a headache or something like that. Well, and in truth, they're having a mini stroke or they're having a kidney infection or they're having gallbladder issues. And so they're getting this referral pain, but it's not really a chiropractic issue in and of itself. And so if they ignore the real medical treatment that they're supposed to be getting, and instead maybe look at conservative care, those would be the type of people, and a good chiropractor is going to evaluate a new patient enough to say, listen, what you're experiencing doesn't check the boxes of what a normal chiropractic visit looks like. We need you to go get some medical attention and medical care. So those would be the people. And then, of course, you have people that were previous surgeries. You know, if you've had spinal fusion, 
of your bones, you know, doesn't mean you don't get chiropractic care. It just means that you may, we may have to adapt to how to adjust you. We may have to adapt to where we adjust you on the spine. Uh, so there would be nuances to people's adjustment based on physical limitations or, or previous surgeries or even sickness. But if you got a spine, in my opinion, you would benefit from a chiropractic adjustment. What, what are the most common symptoms that you see with patients that, that come in? I know there's a whole host of symptoms that the body manifests as the check engine light, but what are the most common that you see? Yeah, I mean, the most common reason people seek chiropractic care is unspecified back pain, right? I mean, it's just, it's back pain. It's I'm developing this discomfort in my spine, my back, usually it's the lower back, and it's starting to be a problem in my lifestyle and maybe even getting in the way of how I want to live life. So I want to do something about it. And so a lot of times people are attracted to the chiropractic style of medicine in the sense that I don't want to necessarily just mask this with a, you know, a pill or a narcotic or something. I believe there's something mechanical going on. So therefore I'm going to get a chiropractor to address it. So that's why they come in. But obviously on top of that, you have the neck pain, you have a headache, sciatica, you have a lot of times people come in because of their pain down the leg. Those would probably be your main reasons people seek chiropractic care. And then it's really kind of up to us as chiropractors to help them understand why they might want to consider lifestyle chiropractic care, because these are just symptoms of a bigger issue and that the bigger issue could be benefited by ongoing lifestyle care if they, if they so choose. I knew you were going to say back pain. Yeah, that seems to be the most <laughs> common. That was my issue for many years, lower back pain. Some of the things that I personally have done is, yeah, chiropractic care. I also found a chiropractor here in uh, Surfside, which is the town over, who's a chiropractor, but she's not a traditional chiropractor, at least not anymore. She does more like trigger point therapy where she'll break up fascia. That's been a huge thing that's helped my lower back. And um, I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with Dr. Peter Martone. He's... Um, a chiropractor as well. He's uh, called Dr. Sleep, right? Really close friends with Dr. Pompa. I've interviewed him a couple of times, but he's all about restoring that cervical curve. Uh, so he has a, a pillow. It's not really, he doesn't like to call it a pillow, but it's called the neck nest where you sleep on it overnight to restore that cervical curve. So for me, the adjustments, the trigger point therapy and uh, doing my best to lay on that uh, neck nest to restore that cervical curve has made a big difference for my lower back personally. Yeah, it's all connected. I actually own a neck nest myself, so I'm a big oh, fan. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, a, I'm yeah. a big fan. I'm a big fan of that cervical curve. That's one of those things we try to educate patients when they come in is a look at their cervical curve, making sure that they understand the importance of it, how everything is affected in the spine from one area to the next. You know, your lower back pain is not just because of lower back issues. It's because of the entire biomechanical chain that needs to be addressed. And, I, you know, and that's, like I said earlier, that's the nice thing about chiropractic is there's so many nuances that a practitioner can choose to go down and specialize with. And we never pretend to be the jack of all trades. You know, I tell patients all the time, you know, this is my specialty. This is what I do. But at the same time, there could be other components of physical health, including chiropractic care, a different uh, philosophy or approach that would also benefit your journey back to health as well. So, you know, I, I think it's great that you have a couple assets there as far as, uh, you know, people to go to and turn to. Yeah, you're so right. And it, it works. It really works. I, I was to the point, Tunis, where my lower back pain was so bad because 
of several reasons. For 24 years, I was obese and overweight, so that extra load, my head was forward from being on the phone and computer too much, and then you know owning a CrossFit gym and doing all these deadlifts, right? So it took its toll on my lower back to the point where I would play basketball every Sunday. It's a tradition to play basketball outside with some of my guy friends, and I would play, and I might get two games in, and then all of a sudden, my back tightens up. I'm done for four days. I can't walk, right? This was happening over and over and over, and it was so frustrating because I enjoy basketball, and it puts me out of commission for four days. I can't do anything. can't even walk my dog. Now, you know, after doing all these modalities that you teach your patients and you share today, I'm able to play basketball every Sunday, two, three hours. I have no lower back pain anymore. Like I go right back the next day into my routine without any pain. So for those who are suffering with these symptoms, low back pain, whatever it is, you don't have to live this way. It's not fun. There are people out there like Tunis and other amazing uh, practitioners that could get to the cause and, and remove that interference. So please know you don't have to live in pain. I don't care if you're 93 years old, you mentioned that lady, or you're 17 years old. Like there are modalities out there. Please go seek it. Uh, anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the you know head there. Um, it is about just finding that solution. Keep looking, don't give up. I think a lot of times people just live in pain unnecessarily. Uh, I have patients all the time say, I have a neighbor that is chronically complaining about something I know you can help them with, but for whatever reason, they just won't come in or they're just not willing to, to, to get out of their comfort zone and do that. So, yeah, I mean, I would definitely, you know, seek out help and life's too short to, to live miserably for sure. Oh, amen. Yeah, it's the old nail on the dog story, that person that is in pain. Quick story about uh, this this kid who moved into a na- new neighborhood on his way to school. He would walk by this house where there's two elderly cu- this elderly couple was sitting on the porch, a man and a woman, and he would hear a dog like whining from the house, and he would wonder what is going on. Why is that dog in pain? And at day after day, going to school, going back from school, he would hear this dog, and he said, "Okay, if I hear that dog complaining, whining today, I'm going to ask this this couple about what's going on with the dog." So he walks by the house. The couple's on that rocking chair. He hears the dog whining, and he goes. Uh, Mr. Ma'am, what's wrong with the dog? Why do I hear the dog whining every single day? And they go, oh, he's lying on a nail. And it hurts just enough for him to complain about, but not enough for him to get off that nail, right? It's like same thing with these with these individuals. Like get off the nail. Uh, you don't have to be in pain. Uh, you know, hopefully this conversation is inspiring so many people. If you watch any of my videos on social media, you always see me with glasses on. And I always get the question, hey, why are you wearing those glasses? These are called blue light blocking glasses, and I wear them to protect my brain and my focus. You see, we are bombarded with stimulation, especially with junk light from your computer screen, your phone, fluorescent lights, and the brain has to filter that out. These glasses, what they do is they filter out those lights for you so your brain does not have to do the work. I equate this to having a web browser open with 100 tabs If you had 100 tabs open on your computer, that computer is going to run slow. But if you were able to eliminate 99 of those 100 tabs, and now you just have one tab open, that computer will function better. This is the same thing with your brain. So there's different types of blue light blocking glasses. There are computer glasses that you would wear during the day when working with screens and under artificial light. There are light sensitivity glasses that you would also wear during the day with screens and artificial light. And then you have the blue light blocking glasses, which I wear at night, two to three hours before I go to bed, 
which promotes hormone health, helps your body produce melatonin, and aids in better sleep. My go-to is from Bon Charge. They have the signs to back it up. They look super cool. The glasses come in non-prescription, prescription, and reading options. Glasses for every need. Bon Charge also has other amazing products such as low blue light bulbs, red light therapy devices, EMF slash 5G protection, and 100% blackout sleep mask that I take with me when I travel all the time. The greatest thing about them, all backed up by science. They gave Keto Camp Podcast listeners a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do is head over to bondcharge.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code ketocamp at checkout, no space in between, to get 15% off your entire order. We'll drop that link down below along with the coupon code. Go check them out and let's get back to this episode. Let's uh, transition now from chiropractic. I want to talk about diabetes and insulin resistance because you have some videos on your YouTube channel about this. You have been interviewed on news stations as well. You could find that on YouTube. Go look it up. We'll reference it down below. But diabetes is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I lost my dad to the complications of diabetes in 2014. And the majority of people have it, and a lot of people have it and don't even realize they have diabetes. So what are some of the things that you've learned about diabetes, uh, some of the tools and tips you could share with my audience, give them hope that it is reversible, and some things they could uh, lean towards in reversing the, their diabetes or insulin resistance? Yeah, so, I mean, just a quick history story. My great-grandfather also died of uh, type two diabetes. And I'm assuming that's what we're talking about really yeah. here. Um, you know, as, as many of your listeners will know that there are categories of diabetes, there's type one and there's type two, type one being more of a autoimmunity issue that's, you know, preventing the pancreas from making the insulin necessary to remove the sugar or glucose from the blood. But then there's this developed diabetes that unfortunately really is a, an epidemic in our society. And it's really because you know, it really comes down to diet, right? I mean, if, if we're really being honest about what's going on and the, and the beautiful thing about that is it is reversible as a result. If people are willing to put in the time and effort and energy to understand the mechanism behind it and then willing to make change, right? Uh, if we're not willing to make change, really there's not going to be any hope for anybody as far as self-healing, regardless of what you have. But uh, when it comes to diabetes or type 2 diabetes, yeah, from a dietary standpoint, it's the simple fact that we're storing too much glucose, too much sugar, and that can come in different forms. That can come in from the form of eating sugar, additional sugar, and it really can come in the form of just overabundance of simple carbohydrates or carbohydrates in, in general, uh, as far as how the body stores that energy. I also did recently hear an interview that was pretty fascinating on the correlation between the ingestion of seed oil and diabetes and the fact that when we have this high omega-6 diet, which is really what's prevalent in these seed quote, quote, vegetable oils, in the mitochondria, it leaks an energy source that makes that energy or that cell weaker, less energy that also raises this phenomenon, which we call insulin resistance, which is the body's inability to pull the glucose out of the blood. And therefore we get these things called ages or advanced glycogen in products, which causes things like, you know, uh, 
the, the, the neuropathy, the, the things, uh, the, the eyesight, uh, just overall cardiovascular concerns. You know, the number one reason people die with diabetes is cardiovascular health. Yeah, you're right. They're not dying from the, di- from the diabetes. Technically, they're dying from the, the diseases connected to it, heart disease being one of them. Yeah. Exactly. So really, it's a matter of recognizing that what I'm putting in my body matters. And, you know, I used to teach classes more prominently about diabetes and and reversing it. And one of the things I would say at the beginning of the class is your current health status, as good or as bad as it is, is 100% your fault. And you would have a mixed reaction, right? I mean, because I think we as a society are so used to having somebody tell us why it's not our fault or who's who to point a finger towards or who to blame instead of ourselves. But then I'd follow that up and say, that is great news because that means you have the power to change it. You have the power to reverse where you are today in your current health status if you're willing to do it. And of course, what I teach typically is, probably something your audience is very familiar with is more of that ketogenic diet. It's reducing, first of all, processed foods, processed carbohydrates, processed uh, seed oils from that perspective, trans fats, and then really go to that more lower carb style of diet. And that seems to really radically change the body's ability to decrease that, what we like to refer to as insulin resistance, allows the body to kind of clean up the system. And it's been amazing to watch people's lives transform in a relatively short time. I mean, depending on the individual, I've had people as quickly as three or four weeks start the need to reduce their medications and so forth. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, I I love to see that and hear that. You're right. It's our responsibility. Uh, Type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle condition that is also you use lifestyle to reverse it and it can be reversed no matter what the American Diabetes Association tries to tell you or your allopathic doctor tries to tell you. It is reversible. Type 2 diabetes is reversible. I've seen it time after time just like you. The seed oil thing is important because of what it does to the mitochondria as you mentioned but also what it does to create cellular inflammation and when those cells are inflamed those receptor sites for insulin are not going to be able to do the job. They're not going to hear the screams of uh, glucose is not going to be able to shuttle in as effectively. I don't know if you saw this, you know, on the topic of seed oils. So silly. This article on Rolling Stone came out this week showing that the people that the health and wellness influencers out there and educators, us, that are saying seed oils are bad are right-wing conservative propagandists. (laughs) They're spinning us talking about seed oils as we're right-wing conservatives, which is insane. I don't even know how they spin that. I, I thought it was a joke, but it's actually a real article on Rolling Stone. Did you see that? I have not seen it, but I'm not surprised by it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so silly. I, I can tell you this. I have amazing friends that are not conservative who understand seed oils are detrimental. Don't fall for those uh, articles, it's a whole bunch of BS. It's, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know how a political affiliation and the and, and seed oil are, are tied together. I don't know how. Yeah, I mean, how I mean, you- the, the reality is, unfortunately, you know, seed oil is very cheap to use. A lot of big business uses it. A lot of big food companies use it. Certainly, those that are against uh, regenerative farming and a meat-based diet seem to gravitate towards villainizing. You know. Th- 
people that are talking against seed oil because that's really what's in most of our product. I think I heard a statistic, you know, in the turn of the century, 1900 turn of the century, I think the average human or the American consumed about a gram of seed oil a day. And then in 2010, it was already up to like almost 90 grams a day or closer to like 11% of the, the diet of the normal American or the average American is seed oil in comparison to where it should be, which is like 2% and and 3%. And graph after graph, study after study shows a direct correlation with chronic disease, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, and the prevalence of seed oil in our diet. It's really the only thing that can go hand in hand because if you like compare Diabetes and meat consumption, nope, it's an inverse curve. It's, they don't correlate. If you Even sugar, even sugar's decline, you know, is contradicted to the incline of disease. So it's not even sugar. It's the seed oil that's really the most pervasive thing. And every culture that has adopted a seed oil diet has seen these negative effects. And uh, that's why obesity is, you know, 40 plus percent today in comparison to 3% in 1930. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing uh, how diet is so powerful. Unfortunately, for the average consumer, they get distracted with the wrong things to avoid, like red meat or fat or sugar, when the real culprit is the very thing that they're turning towards in these products that are quote unquote, low fat, gluten free and healthy for you. Yeah, so true. Uh, and and they're turning to like a vegan and vegetarian diet that have full all these plant toxins. You, you're doing more of a carnivore approach last time we spoke, right? So tell me how that's going for yourself. Why did you decide to do that? Yeah, so this is interesting because if you would ask me three years ago about the carnivore diet or a meat-based diet, I'd thought you were crazy. You know, I'm a chiropractor, of course. And, and, and in chiropractic, you know, to our credit, from an education standpoint, there is quite an emphasis on nutrition and nutrients and things outside that's different than, let's say, the medical track of, of doctoring. So there is a little bit of that uh, foundation we get as a student uh, in a chiropractic school, but then a lot of it, just like anything in life, you learn on the back end and you kind of get involved. And so early on in my practice, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at that time, you know, we didn't really know what to do from a natural standpoint. She opted to do some of the traditional approaches to treatment. But at the same time, we also looked at how do vitamins play a role? How do nutrients play a role? Uh, and I really got interested into this whole food diet. And just like it is today, what was really propagated was a diet based on plants and more specifically vegetables and fruit, and then a little bit of meat, some whole grains, and this balanced diet perspective. And I taught that for many years. And one of the reasons I did more of a nutritional coaching aspect of my practice, in addition to chiropractic care for years, was because I saw the value in that for people. But I coached essentially a plant-based diet. I mean, it was a plant-based diet, add some meat. I, I never villainized meat. I always knew meat had a role in the human diet, but it was really eat mostly fruits and vegetables, have some meat, have some whole grains, maybe a little bit of dairy if you can tolerate it. And that's what you did. Well, I did that. And I was relatively healthy as far as my own physical health. I never experienced tremendous issues 
from a health perspective. And I just kind of went along with it. And then, you know, I was introduced and, and I'm sure most of your audience are familiar with Dr. Joseph Mercola. And I had always followed him just through the years of health and wellness and natural approach to things. Well, he introduced Dr. Paul Saladino on his page one day about this carnivore thing. And I looked into it, I bought the carnivore code book or whatever he titled it. And it just, yeah. And he, and he, and it just resonated with me. I was just like, huh, I never put this in perspective. And, you know, funny, funny, funny story on that is I mentioned my 91 year old grandmother who comes in, gets adjusted once a week. Well, her husband, my grandfather passed away about 18 years ago and she ended up remarrying a guy who's also was a widower. And we always picked on this guy because he only eats meat and a little bit of potato, never touches a vegetable. And I used to give him the hardest time, like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're still alive. You know, you don't eat any vegetables. How do you live? And then, so I started reading this book and I was just like, man, I'm going to have to go talk to this guy <laughs> with my tail between my legs. They go, okay, well maybe there's some validity to what you're doing. And he's still, he, I think he's, he's 95. He still lives. They live on their own. He drives around and, you know, he's doing great. But uh, anyway, I was introduced to it. And at first, like most people, I took it with a grain of salt. Literally, I was just, I'll try a little, eat, eat more meat. I'll, you know, maybe we'll have an open mind that maybe plant toxins aren't as optimal for me as I was led to believe. And then I just kind of slowly shifted. And then I was influenced by people like Dr. Anthony Chafee and Sean Baker and some of those other influencers. And just it started making sense to me as far as the physiology. I think Bart K does a good job of talking about the Randall cycle and, and some of those things. So it just started making sense to me. And I finally said, like I do with anything I do, before I recommend this to patients, I'm going to do it myself. And so I just started doing it and I've been pretty exclusive carnivore-ish and I use ish because I don't believe anybody's perfect, but uh, of, since January this year. And uh, so 98% of my diet is beef, salt, butter. I will eat lamb. I will eat chicken. I will eat pork. I will have a little bit of seafood. And then of course I will on occasion have some other things, you know, dessert or berries or, you know, in a restaurant and it comes with a side of a little Brussels sprout or something. I may dabble with a couple bites, but uh, it's not a major part. And for me personally, I lost weight. I didn't know I needed to lose. I feel amazing energetically. My son, he's 15. He also adopted the carnivore diet this spring and he did it because of eczema and some other things and he's thriving on it. Uh, in fact, he and I uh, and my daughter, we went on a backpacking trip in New Mexico this summer. We two weeks backpacked in New Mexico and I made pemmican. And I don't know if people are familiar with what pemmican is, but it's a uh, Native American food. British soldiers used it. Uh, trappers used it, but it's dehydrated beef that you infuse back with tallow or some kind of fat, salt, and it's kind of like a granola barish type of thing. But uh, we lived on that for two weeks straight, nothing but pemmican. And I felt amazing. I guess all that to say that I guess I'm officially full in head first into this carnivore thing as we speak. Yeah. That, and, and I'm happy to answer any questions in addition to that. But that's, uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing now. 
when I coach men, I, I in addition to chiropractic, I run a, a coaching program called Healthy Impact Man. And as I coach men, I get them closer to a animal-based diet than they were. I don't I don't make them go carnivore or, or recommend it from that perspective, but I definitely say, listen, I think protein's important. Most of us aren't getting enough. And let's concentrate on that. And if you do that, some of the other pieces fall in place. I love it. I love that you are doing it uh, pretty consistently and your son is doing it too. Same thing for me. When I do carnivore, I notice amazing results as well. It's just such a great reset for myself personally. I'll do 30 to 40 days a few times per year. I talk about it in my book. It's part of my Keto Camp Academy uh, 45-day reset as well. It's just, it's essentially an elimination diet. You're eliminating all of these anti-nutrients that most people cannot process, these lectins and oxalates and phytates, et cetera, that are making their intestinal permeability worse, leading to these autoimmune conditions and just symptoms in general. So by removing them, you allow your digestive system to reset, recover, repair, and you're essentially eating high-quality protein and fat, and you're removing all these anti-nutrients. So it's such a great tool. Now, I don't know where you stand in terms of like individuals who say we should do carnivore forever. I, I don't agree with that. I think it has its place, but I think fixing the gut and bringing some things back in to see how you tolerate is kind of where I stand. Is that where you are also at, are at as well? Yeah. You know, unfortunately diets are like religion. People get so dogmatic about it and, and heaven forbid you claim you're something and you're not perfect according to their standard. You get, you know, <laughs> yeah. ostracized from the community or whatever. Yeah, show me your um, carnivore card. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So I know what I enjoy doing personally. I know I feel the best, at least currently, really with a beef-based diet, more of the carnivore-ish diet. But to your point, I, I think people, a healthy individual can certainly add other things into their diet. I think, you know, and, and I try to explain this to patients too and other people that question the carnivore or, or assume that I'm dogmatic one way or the other. I say, listen, there's a difference between a healthy diet and maybe an optimal diet. And, and a healthy diet, in my opinion, is really just the avoidance of refined carbohydrates, refined sugars, refined seed oils, and trans fats. If you're willing to avoid those four things, I would consider what you choose to eat on, you know, outside of that. It's probably like a human healthy diet. Like you're going to probably thrive. Now, having said that, I also believe that there's different fuel sources for the body and that I prefer fat and protein to be my main ingredients for my body. So I limit carbohydrates in that regard. I also recognize that there are plant toxins that my body doesn't do well with. So I'm better to avoid or extremely eliminate those foods as well personally, but I'm not everybody. Somebody may find that adding some carbohydrate to their diet or adding some vegetable to their diet or adding some grain to their diet is absolutely capable of still having an optimal fitness and feeling great. And I'm all for it. So I think there is some wiggle room around that. I personally find I perform better when I'm sticking pretty tight to that beef, salt, butter, bacon type of, you know, lifestyle personally. Yeah, no, I get that. Well said. You know, for me, even though I'm not always carnivore, I do it, like I mentioned, 30 or 40 days, a couple times or so per year. Even though uh, I do that, 
the majority of my plate is meat as well. I'll throw in some low oxalate foods and veggies that I know I could handle without getting symptoms. So for me, I don't have almonds because I know almonds and almond flour, I get symptoms. I once got, twice this happened, a sty coming out of my eye from the oxalates getting out from almonds, too many almonds. And in the keto space, it's almond this, almond that. So I don't do almonds, but I could do macadamia nuts. I could do some walnuts. I could do some pecans, but almonds I can't do. I don't do spinach. I don't do kale because those are higher in oxalates, but I can do arugula. I can do uh, white rice is something that I process very well, fruit. So I'm finding my range, you're finding your range. And I think that's what's most important to your point. You don't have to be keto all the time. You don't have to be carnivore all the time. We are designed as a species to vary our nutrition, right? Dr. Pompa calls it diet variation. That is so important. So I love that we're on the same page there. I want you to share before we wrap this up your F3 Nation group, uh, why you started it, uh, where my audience can learn more about it and uh, maybe get involved with it. Yeah, so you're referencing a group of men uh, called F3, and uh, I did not start it, so I want to be very clear about that uh, For in case there's F3 men listening to this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to take any kind of credit that's not due, but uh, it was actually started in the Charlotte metro area back in 2011, and it was kind of birthed out a, another workout group of men who were meeting on a weekly basis outside in a local park that were just getting together to exercise. And what they started to notice is there was just something special about men getting together, socializing, exercising out in the elements, and just enjoying that time together. And uh, what originally started as this kind of closed circle of men in Charlotte quickly became something that they wanted to share with other people. And so they started opening up upper opportunities to join different days of the week, different cities caught on. Now F3 is represented across the world. We have guys in Kenya doing it. We have guys in England doing it. We have guys in Canada and, and across this country doing it. And, um, you know, the mission of F3 is to plant, grow, and serve small workout groups for men for the invigoration of male community leadership. And so the premise behind it is this. So F3's stance is that uh, we have a void of male leadership in our nation and our communities and our families. And so we need to help men become the leaders that they were designed to be. Not, and again, this is nothing against women or women can't be leaders. This is just, there's a void of men stepping up. And so how do we invigorate them to do that? And we found that by inviting a man out to an exercise, breaking down the barriers, sweating together, getting to know each other, creates vulnerability and opportunities to talk, really get to the root cause of what they can do to be a better husband, father, community leader that inspires them to do just that, right? Starts at their home then maybe goes to their church and then ultimately into their community at large and they can just become those leaders. And so the website is called f3nation.com. So if you're a man or a woman with a, a spouse uh, or a boyfriend or somebody that knows a man that might be interested, shoot them to our website. There may or may not be a workout right next door. Uh, we are trying to continue to expand across the nation. But uh, at the same time, most major cities will have an F3 opportunity if you're interested. Uh, most of the workouts are early in the morning, uh, just 
as a caveat. I'll, I'll let you know that. But uh, there's really no rules or regulations other than we have five core principles. And uh, just want to make sure I get them right here. But uh, the first is this. It's, it's free of charge. So there'll never be a cost to go work out. It's open to all men. So if you're a man, you're welcome. Uh, it's held outdoors, rain or shine, hot or cold. So some of our northern states sometimes struggle a little bit in January when it's 30 below zero. It's lead, what we call pure lead. So it's lead in a rotating fashion, meaning that no one's a professional. Every workout you go to will probably be led by a different man. That's also part of the process of creating leadership, giving men an opportunity to lead other men. And then we end in something called a COT or a circle of trust. And that's really, in my opinion, what makes our organization so unique is because unlike going to the gym, maybe even working out with a buddy or going to a, a class a CrossFit gym or something like that, where you get a good workout, but as soon as the workout's done, everybody spreads and dissipates. What we do is we end in a circle, eye to eye to each other. We look each other in the eye and we have an opportunity to share. Maybe it's a prayer request. Maybe it's a, a praise. Maybe it's just something you're struggling with. Maybe it's a, an event coming up. Maybe you want to grab drinks or coffee or something. It, it's an opportunity to further on a relationship. And I think a lot of what we're seeing in today's society is just loneliness and more specifically male loneliness. And what that's what we're trying to combat. So if you're interested in learning more about it, I highly recommend people go to f3nation.com. Uh, one of the other things we do in your first circle of trust after your workout is you get a nickname that's kind of unique to you. Uh, it's kind of more endearing, uh, endearing rather, uh, allows what's, you to kind yours? of feel part of the group. Mine is Bones. So B-O-N-E-S. Wasn't very creative. I'm a chiropractor. <laughs> yeah. Those guys said Bones. Makes sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. But uh, if you ever dabble into F3, you'll notice that there's some really creative ones out there. And uh, That's cool. some of those are the best best ones to have. I love that. That's a really cool that you do that. I think it's a brilliant idea. So F3Nation.com. Your website is huntforwellness.com. Your podcast, if you're watching YouTube, you have a sign right there, Hunt for Wellness Podcast. Last question, Tunis, vitamin G, gratitude. What are you grateful for today? Man, I'm always grateful. One of the things I always do is a three grateful to gratitude every morning. So this morning I took my son to the DMV and he passed his learner's permit on the first try. So I'm grateful All I right. don't have to go back to the DMV. <laughs> yeah. for that. Nobody wants to go back to the DMV. That, Good job, that, son. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So no, but in all seriousness, grateful for a lot of things and, and health is one of them. And that's what I preach. I, I feel like health is our greatest asset. When we have it, we're the better human, in my case, husband, father, community leader. And I think anyone that prioritizes their health will be the best version of themselves. Amen, brother. We're going to put your information down below, including the F3 website. Thank you, uh, Tunis, for showing up in this world and helping my audience understand the world of chiropractic care, how to do it the right way, and how it could be such a healing modality. And thanks for showing up and how you served our audience today, but also how you serve your community. I'm grateful for you. Grateful we connected through Dr. Anthony Shafee. So grateful for him as well. And I look forward to uh, continuing our relationship together. So thank you for coming on the show and spending time with us today. My pleasure, Ben. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Tunis Hunt. 
go check out the resources we mentioned, which is huntforwellness.com, which is his website. If you're interested in learning more about the F3 Nation, that is f3nation.com. We'll also put Dr. Hunt's social media in the notes down below. And all the details of today's conversation can be found down below. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please share this with a friend, somebody you know who could take value from a conversation like this. Please consider leaving the show a rating and review. And also go get registered for the free diabetes training coming up in just a few days over at diabeteswebclass.com. Thank you, Keto Camper, for spending part of your day with Dr. Tunis Hunt and myself. I'll see you in the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.